This episode is a staple of the Authority Hacker podcast. We have been doing it for over three years, and it's always been one of your favorites. So in today's episode, we are going to review the predictions we made for SEO in 2019 and make new ones for 2020. And this year, we've also invited some of our friends, Matt Digiti, Carl Roof, Ted Kubadis, Glenn Alsop, and others to join in and share their predictions for 2020. So let's get started. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. No hype, no BS, no censorship. Just real-life online marketing tactics. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Authority Hacker Podcast. What day is it, Mark? Because we're, we're kind of recording all this stuff. Good question. What's the pretend date today, you mean? I think it is Monday the 16th of December today, Gail. Okay, great. Oh, all right. Yeah, obviously, like I can, I can see it on my computer right now. Now, actually, we're recording on the 12th of December, so it's not that far away. But yeah, in today's episode, I am not going to ask Mark how he's going because I did that kind of like indirect introduction. And now he wants to tell us, you know, it's like, but anyway, in this episode, it's going to be uh, our predictions for, I mean, first of all, we're going to go and recap uh, what we said last year and what actually happened like where we're right, where we're wrong, and kind of like keep the score. And then we're going to make a few new ones. And then we're going to let the people that we invited on this podcast share their predictions with you. I'm sure you you know a lot of them. They're like, they've been on the podcast. They've been around. They're quite big in the industry. And we hope they will share this podcast. That's why we're doing this. No, I'm kidding. Not really. Let's go. Let's do our predictions from last year, right? Okay. The first one, minor reversal of 2018 August update. Well, I think it's safe to say that we were dead wrong on that. Although, you know, it could be argued that could be argued that the changes we've seen, the the births of this world are in a way reversal, though I wouldn't necessarily say it was the same it was as the sites that came back. One or two I've seen turn things around and and, and come back specifically in the health niche though that's very much the exception rather than the rule. What we have seen with uh, the various Google updates this year in 2019 is actually more, it almost feels a little bit random in like, I've seen some sites that write really don't deserve to be penalized. They haven't been penalized like in terms of a manual action. It's just been the algorithms changed and they've, they've suffered from it. So in that sense, I feel like we were kind of wrong in that. There's more instability, it feels, at the moment. There's a lot of people that came back too, though. Like, I think it's like, you need to like take into account all the people that came back as well. Some of them did work, like try to like fix their sites and make them better, etc. Some of them like did nothing and came back anyway. This makes it even more unexplicable. I mean, this update, with the hindsight now, I mean, like this is 2018. So like we're literally talking like an hour and a, uh, an hour and a half, a year and a half later, time passes fast. It's like, it really feels like Google Panda. Google Panda, never, nobody ever really ever explained it. People were just like, oh, it's hunting low-quality sites. You need to make your site better. And some businesses completely disappeared. I'm thinking of uh, Ezine articles here. Ezine articles used to be ranking everyone Google with random shit articles that people would publish there because it was high uh, PR at the time. We were still using PR at the time. It was getting a lot of content, and because of its high authority, it was ranking. And Google was like, well, these articles are kind of shit. And then just that whole thing, like there was, they had like hundreds of employees, et cetera. Uh, Demon Media as well, the guys behind uh, eHow took a massive hit with Panda as well. The, the company did not disappear, but like it took years to come back. And now they're doing better, but still like compared to get to people like .dash, like about .com, 
they're doing a lot worse. So it really feels like the same happens. And nobody really explained Panda. Like if you ask someone, like, what did Panda do? They won't be able to just point out like one factor or another. And I feel like we'll probably never know exactly what these updates did. I would just know that basically Google has like new features for content. It just becomes the new normal and people either reboot on new projects or they survive the updates and all just like made their sites better and kind of like hit whatever was they were looking for. And actually, like uh, I know Ted is going to talk about like cofactors. I think it's probably something like that behind these updates. So we'll talk about that later. But overall, it, I wouldn't say a reversal. I would just say like it's kind of like slide sideways, sideways you know. They've gone even further. I would say we were kind of pretty wrong in this. I think the intention was like we were saying we were trying to get across like, oh, these updates will slow down when in fact they've amplified, if, if anything. So we'll call that one a fail. Let's move on to the next one, which is privacy regulation will continue to fail to police Google, Facebook and the big tech giants, which is a pass. I think we got that correct. So I think this stemmed from when GDPR came along, everyone was like, oh, it's going to change everything. And really it changed nothing. It just made it annoying having to click on those banners. Then there was like this PECR, this new reg- regulation, which like again, and then there was the link tax, they were calling it. There was an EU one, which actually passed, but then Google just sidestepped it. And then in, instead said that if you wanted to be in Google News, you had to opt in to do it for free in the countries which were going to apply it. Otherwise, they would just stop putting the snippet in. So they, they didn't pay anything and they, they kind of sidestepped it. They're still completely complying with the law. In the same way, it's it's kind of the same with like featured snippets and SERPs to an extent. Like you have to like kind of go for it and like try and optimize to, to get in there. But in doing so, you understand that you'll have the snippet, but you probably or potentially lose click-throughs because people will get the answer straight away. So it's, it's that kind of dichotomy, I guess. It's happening with uh, featured snippets as well, right? So you will be able to now put tags around the content that you allow Google to use for featured snippets. So essentially, it's an opt-in as well. You will, is it like, so that they cannot be sued for like scraping your content and stealing your content. People are just going to opt-in. It's kind of funny. Like SEOs are like hating on Google, but everyone's just opting in their content to be in the featured snippets. And it's like, well, yeah, it's like you, we're all shooting each other, basically. So, yeah, I, I would say we got that one correct. Yeah, I would say so. The next one is Google will look into outreach link building. They didn't really look into link building this year, did they? As far as I'm aware, none of the updates were particularly related to link building. It seems white hat, black hat, gray hat all got hit equally by those things. Exactly. The world used to be split between the people who like break the terms of service and people who don't. And since these updates, it's just not the case anymore. Everyone's just like on the same level against pretty much everything they came out with in the last year and a half. Like there was no update that specifically targeted people who break terms of service, which I think is not very smart from Google (laughs) in the sense that it's just encouraging people to like not listen to terms of service and do what the hell they want. Because anyway, your risks now are fairly similar. And like, it doesn't seem like they take a lot of actions against pain links. At the same time, they increase the... um, the volatility of search traffic in general. So like you're leaning more towards like shorter time gains because you don't know how long stuff is going to last. So it's kind of weird, right? It's like, even for us, to be honest, sometimes I'm like, should we pay for links? Like, should we even bother anymore because of the way Google is handling things? We are not. And the day we will do that, we will actually share it publicly. But it's definitely a debate that I am having very often looking at 
the dynamic of the market basically so yeah it's like it's probably a debate we should have uh, we should have it live on the on the podcast that'd be hilarious actually it's like usually that these are the kind of like internal discussions that we have but maybe we should do it on the podcast maybe you can tweet at us if you want to hear that first time where mark and i actually argue over stuff you know Okay, so I guess this one was definitely a fail in terms of the prediction, and it's a bit of a fail on, in terms of Google as well, to be frank. The next one is an even bigger fail, which is uh, AMP will be a ranking factor. So AMP stands for Accelerated Mobile Pages. It is a proprietary technology, like it's a technology that Google owns that essentially makes pages load really fast on mobile, but it's quite limiting, to be honest. Like if you have like opt-in forms, if you have ads, if you have all of that, like you cannot do everything you want like you would with HTML. Which is why we are really like, I am not opting into that until this becomes a ranking factor for our websites. And I, there's always like someone on Authority Hacker Pro, like every six months, that's be like, oh, we should all switch to AMP, et cetera. But I'm like, man, if you're building email list uh, or if you're like trying to fire your advertising pixels or that kind of stuff, AMP is a, is a pain in the ass. And it doesn't look like they've developed it a lot this year uh, in terms of like bringing all these like, this convenience and also they haven't pushed it in search. So really AMP is kind of like stable right now, I would say, but there will be some push for site speed from Google next year. We'll talk about that in our prediction. Yeah, it's I guess it's another fail. We're really not very good at this. I don't know what we're doing this, you know? Although it's like it's the kind of uh the, the randomness factor. Like, you know, if you if you ask a thousand monkeys what their SEO predictions are, they're going to get it right like some of the time, but we're getting it wrong most of the time. So maybe if you just do the opposite of what we say, you'll you'll be good. So we're probably we're basically monkeys. That's what you're saying. No, we're worse. Worse than monkeys and in intelligence wise for, for guessing these things. But don't worry, we've got some great guests coming on later who are smarter than us at these things. So listen to them. <laughs> Okay, the next one we had was authority owners will turn towards self-run funnels. Also pretty much wrong. Everyone yeah, surprising as well, actually, because, man, it's like it's getting tougher with reviews and like there's just so much money out there in like your own products and your own funnels and stuff. I don't know why people don't jump on that more. Because it's more intimidating, I think. And it's because it's a different type of marketing, right? So it's like SEO is marketing to machines, basically. Like, I mean, to rank in Google, it is. And then the reviews, what they allow you to do is to just have a very self-explained format that would just direct people to a site that is a good is good at selling, Amazon or whatever. And so like it kind of avoids like you don't really have to sell. And I think most SEOs are terrible at selling stuff. And to be good at marketing, you like real marketing, you need to be good at selling stuff. But it's a skill that people are just afraid of picking up slash learning. And it's also scary, especially for like major nerds slash introverts. Yeah, I'm talking to you who is listening right now. It's like, I'm talking to the auditors. You know how this works. We record that podcast and people listen to it. You know, like we talked about this. And so like, yeah, I think I think people are like quite afraid of picking that up. And also, first of all, if you have an established business that does reviews and does well, there's no reason to like switch gears. If you're not doing well, it's still like the easiest business model. It's still like the most simple business model. It can work and it's good. It really depends on your objectives as well, right? If your objective is to make like, 3, 4K, 5K a month, 10K a month, like, yeah, fine. Reviews are okay. Like, and you can build a bit decent business still. And it's not that, et cetera. But if you want to build like bigger stuff than that, then it almost becomes easier with your own products than it is with affiliate reviews, just because the revenue scales so much further. One real lesson, I guess, I've, I've had this year is 
just the importance of focus and like getting good at doing doing one thing in your business really really well not trying to do lots and lots of different things and i think there's maybe an element of that it's like we're coming at it from the perspective of someone who does do these info products and you know it's it's a really core part of our business and we want to do it really well but actually if you're making six figures a month from your reviews then you're probably not the next thing you're going to be thinking of to start a funnel and stuff it's, it's like how do i optimize what's working well further uh, i think the, the really big people they do actually the people who are like starting to max out their keywords etc like I, i'm talking to like some really big guys yeah I, I would also say like the the amount of people who are maxing out their keywords is probably quite a small proportion of the overall market so i know but there's a point of diminishing return that comes much sooner i think there's a point it's just like there will be competitors that are like like much further than you have bigger teams have all of that etc catching up on them is like a massive amount of work and sometimes if you like switched gears there's like so many low-hanging fruits like you know if you were able to like triple the money you make from the sales you already make then you will more quickly reach higher revenues than like trying to compete face to face with someone who has just like more resources than you i know that uh, some people do that but I also know that a lot of people turn a blind eye to it. And that's kind of like why I'm raising it. I do think that if next year things become harder, this might be a thing, but I'm not going to predict it anymore. It's just like I'm done with it. But I will be pushing the H Pro community to actually go more towards like building real business. It's probably like a, a direction we're going to take with, um, with TAS and H Pro, right? So TAS is going to focus on the affiliate type model and H Pro is going to focus more on like the more advanced stuff, et cetera. But it's still like a pinier, so let's see. Let's see where it goes. Uh, EU to vote on link tax law, which which we kind of rolled up into the the privacy regulation stuff. But they they actually did vote on it, so we were kind of right there. Just the impact of it was zero. Surprise, surprise! Big tech companies are very good at sidestepping uh, regulation designed to hurt them or to make them pay. And the regulation takes so long to go through. Like they literally have like so much time to prepare. It's, it's ridiculous. Plus they're like lobbying to like do tiny changes so that they can step, step, sidestep it in like Brussels, etc. So they literally pay millions of dollars to law firms to go for lunch with uh, politicians, basically. Next one was more interesting. So I think we definitely got this right. And that is Gutenberg will be good. So the, the, a year ago... A lot of people were, it was fairly new. A lot of people kind of hated it, but more and more I've seen this year, people turning around, people saying, actually, it's, it's pretty good. Actually, let's use this. Actually, even, you know, ditching in many cases, tools like Elementor to use Gutenberg because it's cleaner, it's quicker, it's more simple. And then, yeah, just the whole setup seems to be catching on a bit more this year. Yeah, uh, I think I like it. I personally like it with like a few like extra block plugins you can do quite well actually and even on Toyaka, like even though even on sites where we like heavily use elemental we actually do use gutenberg for like more simple posts and to be honest more and more posts so we still like use elemental for like advanced landing pages all that stuff but for the rest it's like it's one thing that i found right i talked about this in chiang mai that like uh, basically cleaner html code results in like more feature snippets and there's that test where I literally just didn't change anything on the page, just like cleaned up the code. And I just like go from not having the feature snippet to having the feature snippet. And so GitHub kind of like helps with that. It's not perfect, but it's like it definitely it definitely helps with that. And, you know, it's like one more reason to use it, basically. It can actually result in more traffic compared to like more complex pages. 
this was more an, an off-the-cuff remark we said at the end. It has absolutely nothing to do with SEO, let's be clear. But we said Brexit won't happen. And at the time of recording, still hasn't happened. Although there's actually uh, an election in the UK today as we're recording this, which will probably determine a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> let's say we were correct with that one. But I wouldn't want to make any prediction for 2020 on that, so... Yeah, I actually made one. Well, I'll talk about this later. Okay, so that is what we did. So we I said, okay, let's see what we got right. We got minor real so we got it wrong. Privacy regulation, we got it right. Google will look into our rich we got it wrong. AMP will be a ranking factor, we got it wrong. Authority owners were in funnels, we got it wrong. EU reports link tax law, we got it right. So two, Gutenberg will be good, I guess. Yeah, right. And Brexit, let's not count it. So we got three out of seven. Hey, it's not that bad. We're now going to make some predictions for 2020 so that you can listen and adhere to three-sevenths of them because most of them are going to be incorrect. Let's go. You get to pick the ones you want to, to have happened. Just just vote on Twitter and then you can you can pick. I actually put that the Medic house will slowly die off. I'm not saying that they will reverse Medic, not anymore. What I'm saying is there will be less variations. We're kind of like reaching a new baseline, I think, of like, this is how Google evaluates content. If you're going to go in a medical niche, you better have some credentials, it seems, or be a house line. In general, like, you're going to have to like basically implement these new rules to how you build your site. I don't believe in EAT stuff, but at the same time, I haven't been proved, able to prove it wrong. So, you know, in doubt, might as well implement some of it. But let's see what happens. I think it will still die off. And it will just like, there will be less shaking in the subs, at least in terms of core algorithm updates. I think another thing that will still change is a sub layout. So like the number of featured snippets, the number of carousels, all of that. And I do think that essentially 2019 was the year where Google sent the first time ever where Google sent less traffic to websites than the year prior to that. So there was more traffic sent to website in 2018 than 2019. And because it was a slow gradual change, even if nothing changes, it's quite likely like nothing changes to January 1st, 2020, Google will still send less traffic in 2020 than 2019 because the baseline at the beginning of 2020 is already much harsher than it was as the baseline of 2019. So it was sending a lot of traffic in January, February, March in 2019. So I think that will continue and there will be less traffic sent to websites, which kind of sucks. I don't think there's like two ways to put it around. It also means that probably people will have to diversify the type of content they create. So like, for example, Google sends a lot of organic traffic to YouTube. And well, it means that getting on YouTube is going to become more mandatory. And it's also probably going to be an opportunity to rank for keywords that you would struggle ranking for, for the actual search results. Like you can just compete on the YouTube carousel instead. Do you think that we have reached like peak traffic from Google that's going to continue to decline year on year or it's going to increase in future years? It's like, we can't even get it wrong over 12 months. So let's do it over 12 years, right? It's just like, I think that websites in general will be less needed, actually. I think you people will be interacting with your Google My Business profile, with your Facebook page, with your Instagram profile, with your YouTube channel, with all of that. And then you will get a degree of organic reach like you get today. And then you'll have to pay to play to reach more of these people. In general, over time, there's more and more traffic going to these big properties of the internet. Like it's just like more and more traffic uh, dries out from websites and goes to just these big properties. So I believe that actually running an online business in like 15 years or something will be 
managing profiles on mostly on these big platforms. And then we can see what you can do is like retargeting and people who like engage with your videos on Facebook that you can then uh, hit and like lookalike audiences and all of that. So I do think there will be a degree of organic within these things. I, I can see that being the case for, you know, a local business or something, because let's be honest, they don't need a website. But for like an authority site, I disagree. I don't see it going that way. Those are just extensions of your site. Why wouldn't Google transcribe? Imagine AI in 15 years, the transcription and the machine learning of understanding what people say in YouTube videos, right? So you give the rise to, to Google when you upload a YouTube video, right? So they can literally take that content, transcribe it. They can then extract the pieces of information from NLP that we already have, like what, what items are talked about. Essentially, serve results that are like fed by the content that people have been uploading on Google platforms, you know? I mean, I'm not saying that all traffic to websites will die, right? But imagine if it was reversed. Imagine if your search results were nine YouTube videos and a website carousel. I know what you mean. Uh, I still don't think that people are, are always looking for those things. I think there, there's a point at the top of the bell curve whereby it's get, Google's giving enough information that it can provide. And ultimately, people are still looking for other people's websites to provide it. And, you know, if, you, if Google goes too far, then people will, it will stop being a good search engine for these things. I can see that. The point of balance was that an enormous portion of the traffic was sent to websites for years. And, and remember, you know, they make most of their money from websites paying for ads so they can send traffic to, you know what I mean? So Yeah, the ads don't have to disappear, you know? Sure, but if the whole nature of search then becomes, well, we're not actually going to send you to a website, we're just going to give you the information. If all the information is there, why do you need to click on an ad? So there's some stuff that they do already, right? So if you, if you run AdWords, you can actually collect leads inside subs now. So people can opt into stuff inside subs, like get a quote, et cetera. And I can buy ads. I've been running some ads on that, actually, where people literally opt in. It sends something to like Zapier that then syncs with our CRM and everything. So you could imagine something a little bit more integrated when you're looking for like a service or something like this, you know? Okay, we're going massively off topic here, and I'm conscious of time. So that was number one. The medic chaos will slowly die off. Okay. No, that was also Google was send less traffic to websites. So that's two of them, actually. Okay. My next one is uh, link outreach will become more difficult. And I don't think it's a Google problem. I think it's a people problem. We're reaching a point where uh, basically outreach link building is the default now, where it wasn't necessarily the case a few years ago. Like people were still doing P more PBNs and more other things, et cetera. Like now, like if you look at all the big names, like the people we have on this podcast that are coming later, like pretty much everyone's just doing outreach for links, for example. It doesn't mean they don't pay for links. It doesn't mean any of that. It just means that outreach in general is becoming a more saturated channel as more people use it. Well, it becomes more difficult. So that's kind of my prediction on this. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, I think maybe two, three years ago, it was just so incredibly easy that it was just natural that more people come in. And also just like website owners are a bit more maybe jaded by getting 20 messages a day or something like that. So I still think though that it's good in a way because just whatever you can do to like stand out. And from a personal perspective, I, I find it quite easy to do things to stand out in, in an outreach environment. So I, I feel like I, that gives me slash us a competitive advantage in, in a way. And I think that's going to become more and more important as you're doing these kinds of things. But you didn't have to do that before. Correct. Yeah. But neither did anyone else. So there was no kind of like pressure or motivation to do it. 
So that's why it's like, it doesn't mean that it won't be possible. Definitely it's going to be possible. And most people are going to be doing that in 2020. Like most people getting links are going to do it this way. But it's just going to require a bit more effort, I think. Do you think RHEL sponsored will become a thing? Are people going to actually use it? So this is a tricky one, right? It's a tricky one, right? Because it's kind of like that, that the most underrated news of 2019, I think, where basically RHEL sponsored seems to be passing link juice right now. So essentially you can... Pay for a link, apply role equal sponsored as an attribute to that link. I will still pass page rank the same way another link passes page rank. Or we don't know if it's the same way. We, we know it passes some page rank from Cal's test, actually. It's not our test, it's Cal's test, who uh, will be on the podcast later. And essentially, that means you can buy your rankings. So I think it really depends. Like, there needs to be some tests on like whether it's as powerful as like a normal link or not. But if you're like that, that risk averse large company, and you could benefit from doing better in search. That, and you're already spending like hundreds of thousands of dollars per month on paid traffic, which is very common. Then it becomes a massive opportunity to buy a lot of really cool sponsored links because you're not breaking Google's terms of service. You're not increasing your risk. And at the same time, you have the opportunity to acquire organic traffic versus that you can like own for like many months versus like essentially paying rent when you buy paid traffic. So I think it really depends how like corporate reacts to this, but it's kind of like one of these things that like could be quite slow at the beginning of the year and it just ramp up really, really fast. Like some guy at like Moscon talks about it. Yeah. Or like Forbes implement it as their policy or something. And then suddenly everyone takes note of it. I feel like it's kind of still a bit of an underground thing right now. Okay. I could see that towards the end of the year, maybe. Oh yeah. I have one that uh, is a bit of a scoop. So I can't really tell where I got this from. But I'm predicting that Amazon will increase their effort rates back up. Back up to where they were before or just increase them in general? Yeah, close enough. Interesting. For anyone that doesn't know, I think this was two and a bit years ago now, was it? That Amazon just overnight sort of reduced their affiliate commissions by, in some cases, as much as 50%, but usually like 20%, 30%. And uh, yeah, just a lot of people lost a lot of money in, in terms of how much they were making. So it'd be interesting to see if they if they do actually put that up again. Yeah, let's see. It's a bit of a coin flip. Uh, it's just uh, I know that they've made some movements with some people, basically. That's all I can say. Yeah, I mean, let's see if it happens. It's not sure. Like this one is like, it's going to be one of the wrong ones. It's going to be the one of those that people are going to be angry at me for like uh, showing. You take the next one. It's one of these things where like my cousin's next door neighbor's dog walker told me about this and didn't actually happen. People will buy Amazon sites like crazy, just hoping that they will just up the rates. <laughs> okay, so the next one, I mean, we kind of already talked about that. Google send less traffic to, to websites. I mean, they did it this year. It's been a big topic. Are we making the prediction that they're actually going to continue that trend or have we sort of reached a bit a level where it's not going to go that much lower i mean i don't think it's actually going to decrease that much i would also say as well you know this is december 2019 as we record this there are now 7.7 billion people on the earth that number is increasing pretty fast it will level off eventually but that's that's increasing pretty fast poverty around the world is like massively, massively decreasing. The middle class is growing in size by the hundreds of millions. So I actually think that we're going to see more users from what we would call at the moment developing countries, but which are actually pretty developed, start to use the internet more and more, start to buy stuff more and more. 
that trend will expand further. I don't think it's going to have a, a massive difference specifically next year, but over the next decade, I, I really think there'll be a lot more people using the internet for commerce and for reviews and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think I think we should make a SEO podcast next week on SEO predictions for twenty thirty five or something. Okay, and the last one we have, I have it. It's like I'm like uh, Brexit will happen, but it will change nothing. So basically, the UK will just have no vote in the, in Europe, and then that's basically it. So you, you actually missed my one here. So I, I have one which says uh, Google is going to look to squeeze more profit out of search, right? Surprise, surprise, a big company wants to make money, right? But I, I mean, I want to get a bit more specific because there are a couple of really interesting new laws coming in next year. For any accountants out there, the uh, double Irish with a Dutch sandwich loophole is uh, closing next year. Uh, yeah, I'm just uh, watching Gail's face as I said that on the video stream and he was like, what the fuck is he talking about? So there's a legitimate tax loophole. It's to do with like having an Irish company, which then has some IP ownership in the Netherlands, and then they tax it back to Ireland and then back somewhere. It's a legitimate way where you can avoid paying a lot of, if not most of your your tax. And so many huge companies, Apple, Facebook, Google, like these kind of people, I believe, do this on some level uh, and it, it's so much that it has a name it's called a double irish with a dutch sandwich don't know why but someone came up with that name anyway the netherlands are changing their ip law in 2020 to make that not a thing so and, and another thing which is happening in europe as well is the uk and france are trying to implement a law to uh, it's like a digital sales tax i think it's called because Google, for example, uh, if they sell sell an ad in the UK to a UK company on google.co.uk, actually, it's, for some reason, it's Google Ireland that makes most of the money from that. Go figure. Probably has something to do with Ireland having a, a lower corporation tax and maybe a bit of double Irish Dutch sandwich thing going on. I don't know the specifics, but the point is there's a lot more kind of like high level regulation which is going to turn the screws slightly this isn't going to change anything massively but i i feel like the the screws will turn a little bit and when any big public corporation who has to answer to the shareholders is facing higher tax bills or having to you know pay new taxes or sales taxes all this kind of stuff they're not just going to be like oh okay well we'll just make less money they're going to say, okay, well, you know, how can we make money elsewhere? And I think they're going to potentially put more of a squeeze on pricing for AdWords. And and we already sort of talked about it, but like maybe put more real estate over to other things like pay more ads in different places and experiment with those kinds of things. Maybe even, and this is getting... There's going to be three YouTubers before video now. Well, maybe. I mean, see... you. <laughs> Maybe, but like for all the, the tinfoil hat brigade out there, maybe we'll see more kind of like Alphabet's Google's parent company. Alphabet-owned sites start suddenly ranking better in Google and, uh, you know, making all that lucrative review affiliate commissions or whatever. So I feel like there's uh, there's some there's a shift going at the moment with, with public policy in general against Facebook and Google and all the privacy stuff. It's starting to become a thing. I, I don't think we're anywhere near like antitrust regulation or splitting up Google or anything like that yet. But I think it's it's something that they are obviously trying to manage and trying to mitigate in, in a way. So yeah, it's an interesting one. I don't know how we're going to measure whether this is actually correct or not, but let's see. 
you can have the earning summary earnings report yeah all right well 2021 we'll, we'll check that out <laughs> you know we actually have a blog post where we actually took the earnings report and just explained like where they squeeze the money from and why they make some certain certain SEO decisions actually uh, anyway that is not the point the point is now to actually jump onto other people's predictions and we are going to be starting with uh Chiang Mai SEO's number one speaker Kyle Roof hey authority hackers it's me Kyle Roof I know what you're thinking and I'm excited too Last year, I was asked to give a prediction for 2019, and they asked me back this year, so obviously I was right. Uh, last year, I said not much was going to change. There are two big updates in 2019, a medic-style series of updates in Burp. Medic means you need to make sure that Google knows that you're a real company. You should already be a real company, so I don't see this as much of an update. Burp changed some long-tail searches and made them their own primary keywords. To win those keywords, you need more content, but you should already be making more content. Essentially, doing the minimum in SEO and digital marketing gets you past these updates. In other words, nothing changed. Here's my grand prediction for 2020. Everything is about to change. I'm kidding. Nothing is going to change. Let me be clear. If you're doing it right, nothing will change. If you look at a bell curve, the middle 70% in Google doesn't change. It's the fringe 15% on either side of that bell curve that Google targets and changes. Granted, some good sites do get hit in the drive-by, but if you're doing the minimum, be real. Create content, optimize your site, make connections for backlinks, literally the minimum of SEO, you will be fine. Have a great 2020. I'll catch you on the flip. Do you agree with that? I think I agree, actually. I think sometimes we're like a little bit too negative on stuff I think because we kind of like look at these fringe cases. But like for most sites, I mean, it's, things do change and sometimes still quite drastically. Like I'm thinking of like one age pro member who lost our traffic to like double feature snippets, etc. Like really like you know half the traffic was gone or something so that happens but i also agree that like the basics are still the same like the basics have been the same forever and it's like people are looking for this magic formula and it's like we talk about the fringe cases because that's what's interesting that's what's changing yeah that's a big deal actually because whenever there's an update there's always like a thread on every group like oh who got affected by this and then like 50 people are like oh look at my traffic going up and then 50 people are like oh my god everything's falling apart how do i fix this and you, you kind of like see all the extreme cases but the people who are like oh nothing changed yeah there's like twenty thousand people in the group you know yeah, they tend not to post and just, just to say, oh, everything is continuing as normal. So maybe there's kind of... Over-exaggeration, basically. It's the vivid, the, it's the vivid uh, scenario, right? So it's like kind of like death by... So it's like it's that stat I always like to look at. It's like people are afraid to go in the water sometimes in like the Philippines or something because of sharks, right? And shark attacks. And we really remember shark attacks because they're extremely vivid. And it's like, you know, like it, you imagine blood everywhere, your leg being t taken apart, et cetera, like stuff like that. But the truth is that in Asia, there's five times more people that die from coconuts falling on their heads. Nobody talks about that because it's not vivid at all and not very interesting. And But it actually is a much more, a much bigger cause of death than shark attacks. And so the vividness of like going up massively or going down massively just completely takes over our minds and we don't really get an idea of scale. It's like terrorism, right? It's like, what are your chances of dying from terrorism? Even in France, like I'm from France, like 115 people died, I think, from terrorism like two years ago. Tens of thousands died from cancer and nobody talked about them. Yeah, it's like as, as, as humans, we over-exaggerate high impact, low probability risk and under-exaggerate the, the opposite. So I think 
you know, in any business environment, we're all competing against each other. Even back in the day, you know, all this, the shops in the high street, they're all competing against each other for foot traffic. It's just mostly moved to, to the digital space now, but people are still always improving their businesses, new technology, new advertising, new marketing, all that's constantly improving. So if you just do nothing and sit still and just hope that everything will continue exactly as normal, just over time, that you're, what makes you good is going to get eroded. You have to like stay ahead of your competition. This is, I guess, like a, the nature of a competitive landscape. So maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. Yeah. So I think basically things are getting more difficult, but it's not like massive. It's like a slow erosion thing, basically. Let's jump on to the next one. Thanks, Kyle Roof, for tempering our extreme views uh, earlier. Yeah, let's move on to the next one. Who have we got next? Uh, Glenn Alsop from uh, detail.com aka viper chill yes uh so this is a uh, one i'm looking forward to let's hear what he has to say hey this is glenn from detail.com thank you guys for having me so there's some really boring predictions i can make like more people searching on mobile more voice searches and so on but i think a big one for me is that we're going to see a lot more focus on on sub seo and something i refer to as intent blocks not a very good name for it i know so are google prioritizing double featured snippets Video carousels, image previews, people also ask top stories and more. And if so, how can you get in on that just because we are so far past the days of 10 blue links? So whether that's you actually making videos, looking into FAQ schema, focusing more on acquiring featured snippets, or maybe even getting your website in Google News, who knows? And by intent blocks, what I mean is that there's a lot of smart people talking about something that I'm really fascinated by. And that's not only whether SERPs are transactional or informative what you actually see in the search results but are there specific blocks that are kind of left to focus on one thing so are there three results focused on e-commerce intent three that are informative and so on and maybe you're not actually competing against 10 results maybe due to the intent of your page and the nature of it you're actually competing for three places in the search results it's just kind of something i'm diving into more i find it really really interesting and i think we're going to see a lot more people talking about that and focusing on that in 2020 and beyond. So that's my prediction, one of many. Thank you for having me, and I look forward to listening to the episode. That's really interesting, actually. I haven't come across any SERPs that I can think of off the top of my head, not that I've really been looking out for it, where I've, I've seen multiple intent blocks. So we did a podcast, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, I forget which one it was, but we were talking about where there's a keyword and like all 10 articles are a list post exactly with exactly the same items in the list and covering exactly the same subtopics and stuff. So I, I think if I'm correct, what, he, what he's saying is that there may, because that's essentially just 10 of the same results, we'll start to see more different blocks. So maybe like three list posts. He's talking about like the people also ask, the featured snippet, the video carousels, etc. Each of them essentially has their own like ranking factors and stuff like that. And like there's gonna be like an optimization process for each of them. I think for intent blocks, it's quite interesting as well. There's two things I want to highlight. So I'll give a query to so that people can Google to uh, get an example. If you type Windows repair, that is a dual intent search query. Why? Because it can be a real life Windows or it can be Windows the operating system. So that is like a, a very good example of dual intent search query. But the thing is like, I agree. I mean, I still agree with what we said in the previous episode, where it's like most posts are the same. 
But it does seem that Google has taken notice of that. Actually, Danny Sullivan, who is the head of search liaison in Google, did say that they are going to be working towards implementing more diversity and maintaining diversity in SERPs. So it could be something that could be coming back. And given the fact that they are quite good at like grouping similar content at this point, then what could happen is they're like, oh, okay, then we want 50% lift post and 50% like opinion pieces or something in there. And essentially what happens is, well, the organic results get split in two and there's only like three, four, five spots on the first page for the one that you fit in, you know? So do you think that would be possible that you could rank twice on the first page if you have both a really good opinion piece and a really good list post? Possibly. I mean, they, they tend to like avoid this on page one. It really depends how it's built, right? Like how, like when does the, um, the mechanics to prevent the same domain having two listing occur? Does that occur before or after the fact that they've processed it in batches, you know? Because if it's like before, then it's unlikely. If it's after, then then it might be, you know? Because essentially the batches are like two subs that live on the same page, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think they'd have to be careful with that because for people who are optimizing, you'd end up just, instead of having 10 sites, with you'd have five sites on page one and just each of them would have two listings kind it of thing. That's like three times on each sub. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I can see that. I mean, yeah, it's, it's already the case, like optimizing for people also ask, optimizing for the YouTube carousel, optimizing for... Uh, the Google Maps, if there is that, optimizing for image blocks, if there is image blocks. Each of these things is going to have its own optimization process. And there will be, like, people will start specializing in these. Like, maybe some people will specialize in, people also ask. Like, they realize that, like, maybe people also ask has been changed. Maybe they change the layout next year, becomes more prominent. And then you can get some decent traffic from that block of questions, which would be a good way for them to put a bunch of websites on the first page without actually taking a lot of real estate. And people start specializing in that. So yeah, I could I can see that. I can imagine that. And or if they try to diversify the intent while using the same technology that they've been using now to like pretty much surface to ten times the the same article. So yeah. Awesome. Thank you to Glenn for for that one. Go check out detail.com. He also he released a course uh, this year, SEO Blueprint. I bought it actually. It's, it's really good. It's uh, it's it has like a bunch of like really new different strategies. So if you're looking for that kind of thing, seoblueprint.com, I think is the, the URL for that. Let's move on now. We've got another guy who we had recently on the Authority Hacker podcast, Dom Wells. Let's see what Dom has to yeah. say. Wait, wait, wait. He's so lucky. He will be right for sure. Like this guy wins every single giveaway and contest and everything. So like, it's like his prediction will be right. You have to like take what he says and just like take it as granted because uh, he's that lucky. Hey, this is Dom Wells from Onfolio. My SEO predictions for 2020 are kind of contradictory because I think we're going to see continued unpredictability in the SERPs. I think Google's going to continue doing the broad core updates every month or every couple of months. And while I do think they're honing in on where they want to be and the iterations are probably smaller each time, I don't think they're going to stop anytime soon. I think we're just seeing nothing fundamental changing. They're just tweaking the dials to get stuff right and they're going to continue to do so at least for the immediate future agree or disagree i mean i disagree in my predictions so <laughs> so it's pretty it's pretty we're not really giving much certainty to our audience here it's like well nothing's going to change well well everything's going to change <laughs> so maybe there's a happy middle ground 
I mean, it's obviously we do a debrief of like what this means overall, like what people are saying and like kind of like the, the, the pulse of that. But yeah, I mean, maybe it's hard to tell, but I, I just like there's been less and less of these crazy updates lately. Like they've just rolled out. I mean, it was like two months ago, the last big one. I know, but like it used to be every month. So that's already like twice slower, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I, I tend to agree. I think we're going to see more unpredictability in that sense. So we can maybe agree to disagree on that one. Sure. Let's go for the next one. Okay, Daniel Cutridge. Hey guys, it's Daniel from OnPage Academy here. One of my SEO predictions for 2020 is browser changes impacting the way that sites work and will eventually rank. Uh, the reason for this is in early 2020, Google implemented an evergreen version of Chrome for their crawlers, and that impacts the way that your site's rendered. First of all, they made things like insecure content gets blocked on Chrome. And in the coming year, there's going to be plenty of other changes as well. This is something that people don't really report on in the SEO industry very much. We focus a lot more on changes with the Google algorithm rather than with Google Chrome. But that is going to impact things in SEO in 2020. One of the things you need to be looking out for right now is same site equals none. You can check that out on the upcoming updates on chromestatus.com. But yeah, that's definitely going to have a big impact in 2020. Websites that aren't implementing their tech properly are going to really struggle because of the browser changes that are coming up. You need to be using modern themes. You need to make sure that your theme is being updated regularly to keep up with these changes. So that's my prediction. Okay. I'm going to be totally honest. I don't really understand what his prediction is. I'm not a technical SEO person. For those who don't know, by the way, Daniel runs a, is it on-page mastery, I think. We'll link to it in the show notes, but it's, a, it's like a free Facebook group slash free course about technical SEO. And it he, he does get very, very technical in a sense. So, Gail, can you break this down for me? I'm not really like, I haven't looked at the same site you call known, but what I know is, yes, a lot of browser things do matter. And I think it's not just Chrome. I think one, one big player here that nobody thinks about is Safari. You don't think about it, but everyone that uses an iPhone browses the, or an iPad, etc., is browsing the web mostly on Safari or on the WebKit for Safari, which like, you know, if you open a page from Instagram or Facebook or something on an iPhone, it's basically Safari. And Apple has been making privacy kind of like a, a, a USP of like being an Apple consumer. They're like, well, we charge you a lot for your products, but you're not a product, you know? And so we protect your data as well as we can. So they've already started blocking retargeting pixels, for example. Like flat out, not in incognito, like in the normal mode, they've started blocking retargeting pixels. And the problem is that, for example, affiliate marketing is cookie-based, right? And cookies are stored well on the browser files. That means that they could start playing with that as well. I mean, I can see for Apple maybe, but if, if you're Google, you probably don't want to get rid of retargeting because you make money from it. If you're Google, you're going to pretend that you're doing something and you're going to do nothing just so that they kind of like match Apple. But for Apple, yes, Apple, they're like a hardware company. So they, they don't care, you know, they have nothing to lose. Do you think we're moving into a, a, a space where you kind of really need to have your tech stuff sorted out? Because I imagine the majority of people, the majority of kind of like small businesses, one man band type things, they don't have big technical teams like be getting ready for the next Chrome update and like having all this kind of stuff sorted. I know we don't, certainly. I assume most people listening probably, unless they're working for a big company, are, are not really on point 
with all these the, the Chrome update kind of side of things. It's not an incentive. It's not an incentive for the companies to break most of the internet as well. You know, it's like like what was the point of building a browser that will not work for most websites on the internet? That's not a good browser. So it's like yes, there is things changing. So for example, Chrome is going to be implementing something while your site is loading. If your site is slow, then they will display a page that says this site is usually slow, and then they might even start recommending other results instead that are like faster, loading faster. So like site speed. You know, could become a, a, and you know, they're looking at like the average page speed for the user, for everyone that has been loading the site, not just like this one time that you load the page. So like building a good reputation for site speed, for example, is going to be quite important. Um, so like there, there is a degree of tech, but at the same time, again, it's not in the interest of anyone for their users to not be able to open the website they want to open because of some tech thing whatever so there's always going to be a degree of backwards compatibility etc does it mean like if you want to rank for like best casino yes you probably should have like great tech and this could be like like you know if if browsers start failing websites then google will want to surface websites that do work on most web browsers so it's a better experience but at the same time i think i i actually think that it's like you should be a bit careful on like overspending your time on tech and not spending enough time on proper marketing as well. You generally, if you have like a simple site, you like, you know, have a CDN, you know, audit your site for page speed at least once or twice a year. Don't index pages that are useless, like your tag pages, etc. And And it's decent enough to rank, even though it's not like 100 out of 100, in my opinion. Um, but it really depends, like, do people need to pay more attention to tech? Yeah, they should do a yearly audit. Do people need to spend their, their entire time on tech? I think it's a bit of a waste of time. Okay. So, yeah. Let's move on to uh, Ted. How do you pronounce this? Kubitis? Kubitis? Kubitis, yeah. yeah. Hi, this is Ted from SEO Tool Lab and SEO Fight Club. I'm the creator of Cora SEO Software. And these are my 2020 predictions for SEO. And I won't pretend to be able to predict the future, but... Uh, this is a list of things that I'm keeping my eye out because they could happen this year. So uh, for starters, uh, Moore's Law uh, takes a turn on our side. So as 32 core systems get cheaper and cheaper, uh, we'll be able to brute force the math to figure out which combinations of factors are the most predictive of the search results sort order. So uh, that's an exciting one, and we are right on that cusp. Uh, we're going to learn more about how Google works this year than any other year in the past. The rate at which we are discovering things is incredible right now. So I expect that to continue and hopefully accelerate. I think single variable testing is going to get harder the more we understand the random variance that Google is baking into the algorithm and these new discoveries about cofactors. Uh, cofactors are those cases where factor A doesn't work, factor B doesn't work, but for some reason the combination of factor A and factor B works like magic. So we're learning more about those instances as well. Uh, lacking answers to address more capable SEOs, uh, Google is going to continue to erode 
organic web search and its page one meta search mix. Uh, that's bad news. Uh, it was bad news when they put uh, ads above the fold and uh, other widgets above the fold and kept pushing organic below the fold. It was bad news when uh, Google reduced page one from 10 results to nine for keywords with uh, a lot of volume. Uh, I expect behaviors like that to continue. Um, new SEO terms will emerge in the SEO lexicon for new SEO concepts that are coming out from all the research and discovery. Expect to hear things like entity density, update types, cofactors, MC4, uh, MRV. Uh, there's going to be a lot of new concepts. Uh, Google's self-contradictions will start to draw groans at live events as more and more SEOs become aware of the facts. So I don't think they'll be able to get away with it as much as they have in the past. Uh, backlash against their culture of penalties and general lack of transparency will continue to grow. Uh, we could see some policy changes uh, if that does happen, and that would be a good thing. Um, and then uh, I expect that uh, even more governments around the world are going to fine and regulate Google to try to put limits on their ability to call all the shots on the global stage. Uh, you know, that was a painful lesson when Microsoft had to learn those lessons, and it looks like Google can't learn from their experience, and they're going to repeat those mistakes again. And so I imagine they'll get in more and more trouble as they do. Uh, hopefully some of those things don't come true. I would be perfectly happy if some of that list uh, is completely wrong. Um, and some of those things I do hope come true. Uh, but either way, those are the things I'm keeping an eye out for in 2020. Hope you enjoy it. Thanks. Interesting. So quite a bit, quite a bit to unpack there. First, let's talk about Moore's Law, which is process, computing processing, was it like double every 18 months or however it is, basically getting faster and faster exponentially over time. And he he mentioned something, he didn't really go into too much detail, but he mentioned like we're close to being able to backwards engineer, reverse engineer how Google's algorithm works. Basically, it's like machine learning, right? We're actually looking into that too right now, like uh, how to use machine learning to understand Google better. And it goes together with this cofactor thing that he mentions as well, where it's like, so it's possible that like something on its own is not a factor, but combined with other things becomes like important for ranking, which I suspect this uh, EAT thing might be actually, which is why like in single variation testing or like when you isolate things one by one, you don't really find correlation, but when you put these together, you might actually find correlation. And yeah, basically getting access to like stronger servers becomes fairly cheap. So like you, you can run more tests on Google with these more complex algorithms and try to understand that basically. Do you think we'll reach a point where people can essentially reverse engineer how it works and then build their sites to just auto rank? I think Google's algorithm is kind of like the Nutella recipe, you know? Where it's like, you can get close, but you will never get exactly. So I think it's going to be kind of similar. Oh, the Big Mac sauce, you know, something like this. Uh, Coca-Cola as well. 
It's kind of like if you could reverse engineer Coca-Cola, not using Pepsi would have done it at this point, you know? It's well, like, Pepsi tastes better in blind taste tests. So yeah, Coca-Cola is more a marketing thing than, than an actual flavor. But I digress. So it's kind of something like that. I think we can get quite close. I think we can get closer to what, than what we have now. And so like, yeah, this kind of like uh, the evolution of machine learning and the fact that just this machine learning stuff is just becoming more widespread. It's not just like some super advanced PhD people at the Google headquarters. It means that people will be able to like test things more and understand how things work. But, you know, if, if it's because this stuff is becoming widespread, what are they working on that you don't know about yet, you know? So it's, it's a bit of a tricky one. It's hard to tell. He says Google will arrow traffic even more to websites, so kind of agrees with us on this, I guess, and uh, with a few other people. So, yeah, we're running into a world where subs won't just send traffic to websites, but other things too. New SEO terms that I have, I don't know what they are, to be honest, like update types, MC4, MRV. It's like, at this point, you can just like put three letters together and just like make it up. So it's like, maybe we should invite him to ask him what they mean. And there's a bit of political stuff, right? With the government's trying to put limits on Google, like you said, the antitrust stuff, basically. And Google self-contradictions, like basically, you know, they say something and then they penalize you for the same thing or whatever. Like it's not very clear, like of transparency, etc., becoming a little bit more of a problem for them. Maybe. It's hard to tell. It might be as they get investigated by governments or something, where it's like it shows that they like favor their own properties and stuff like that. So, and like stories of penalties and people getting randomly de-indexed for talking about how Google works, etc., my, you know, surface during these things it could be interesting. Maybe Charles, maybe Charles Floats will, uh, you know, testify in front of the American Congress at some point. But <laughs> I want to see that. But anyway, let uh, like let's see. It's hard to tell. Like I mean, I think the government stuff is pretty obvious. The, the erosion of organic traffic. Uh, yeah, it's a continuity. Uh, and then they do they do a lot of tests with Ted. So I'm sure he knows exactly what he's talking about when he says we'll be able to learn more. And they're already working on it. So I would follow them. They have a they have a show called the SEO Fight Club on, on YouTube. So if you want to check it out, it's a very, very nerdy. It's with Cal as well. It's worth checking it out. But yeah, it is very nerdy and very technical. If you think what we do is advanced, then this their stuff is like is crazy, crazy technical. So yeah, that's basically that. Uh, I'm pretty happy that we agree on a lot of things with him, actually, apart from the stuff we don't actually understand. But yeah, that's it. Let's do the final one, which is uh, Matt Digity. We kept it for the end so that we make sure you listen, but you probably skip to that point anyway. Matt actually has five, uh, but he split them in, up into different files. So let's do one at a time and then we can comment. Here's the first one. This is Matt Diggity from Diggity Marketing, LeadSpring, the Search Initiative, the Affiliate Lab, and Chiang Mai SEO Conference. My first SEO prediction for 2020 is that SERP results are going to get even more boring. We're going to see more of the same authority, big WebMDs, Healthline websites in the top positions in all sorts of niches, not just health. So it's going to be very uniform. Everyone in the top ranking positions is going to have the same article formats and we're going to have the same word length. It's just going to be very monotone like we've seen so far. Okay, first of all, great idea to shout out every single company he owns or partly owns because he gets... Do we give five backlinks in our show notes from that one? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Okay, uh, but the 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 point he was making was SERP results will get boring, everything will be the same, and which is kind of like one of the podcasts we talked about uh, quite recently. But he also made a point about big authority sites, the WebMDs of the world ruling the the snippets. Uh, do you agree with all that? I mean, it makes sense. If the content is all the same, then it's just a link differentiation. So the big sites win, right? 
So it's like, I mean, it's kind of like already happening, to be honest, at this point, like for, for the big queries, at least, like for a lot of the big queries, it's, it's tricky. Like you're kind of like fighting over long-tail keywords at this point for a lot of the SEO that we do. I mean, for the SEO we do, like I can definitely see that like the battle is over finding some kind of like SEO of a keyword footprint. That is like, you know, keywords with like a couple of hundred searches a month or like low thousands type thing, but like highly commercial and try to rank for these and pick these up that like these big sites didn't really go after. Uh, it's just like much more profitable to run that way than to actually go against them, which I, it might be the effect of that, right? It might be that these sites are winning or maybe that people people are getting smarter in the queues they're targeting and they don't just go face-to-face with these sites anymore, you know? Um, but yeah, I could see that happening. What about SERPs getting more boring? Do, do you think that that's going to be the case or do you think maybe something like what Glenn said about there actually being fragments of, you know, structured, different types of structured content in the in the SERPs? start to emerge it's interesting right i mean it's like here's the thing there might be different sub layouts there's so many already right but the fact that google keeps surfacing the same content i think is temporary like like surfacing eight times the same list post has no interest but they probably have plans for what subs will look like in like two three years well there might be less website results <laughs> there might be more youtube videos there might be like you know now they're indexing podcasts as well so we might have our podcast show up uh, it like you know maybe more feature snippets stuff like that and in that case like being able to show like the two three best list posts on that topic kind of makes sense right so yeah i think it's it's definitely possible but the thing is like if search becomes boring it's dangerous for google because that means lower engagement for the from the user you know yeah i'm, I'm also so sort of, i mean we talked about this before i'm a little concerned of if everyone's using surfer seo or quora or one of these tools and everyone's just trying to replicate what's number one, you really, really do get very, very similar articles, very, very similar content, the same length, touching every every same sub point. And that I think is boring. So there, I feel like I, I feel like this trend will continue, but I feel like it has to kind of go the other way at some point. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think it's like, it's kind of like something that uh, always works in SEO, right? Do what people don't do. I think like it's an opportunity. Because what you can do is like, let's say a big site like Houseline starts creating surfer content or, you know, something similar, basically. They start adopting this strategy. What you can do then is you can actually take the opposite stance and create something really, really cool that's different and then go hunt for their links, you know? So you can, it's kind of like a, you know, it's a strategy game a bit <laughs> where it's like, well, maybe I will not, like, maybe you can win on the link level if you can if you can actually outperform the quality of the content that everyone else is doing and nobody is trying anymore because they're doing this surfer content so i think there's there is going to be place to be made like that where you basically pick your poison right it's like the way to rank is one create something truly amazing that gets so much more links than everyone else that it will just rank anyway or two having the content that matches exactly the search intent if you have high authority two is just much safer and easier if you are like a brand new startup, maybe you going after this link authority and maybe just using this authority to channel it to somewhere else on your website can be a good idea. And, and it creates opportunities because that means skyscraper works better. So it's, I do think it's just going to go back and forth. It's going to be kind of like two, two sides of the same coin, just like going one after the other, you know? So it, it should be interesting. And, you know, Google might just change the balance at some point. They might like put more weight back on links, for example. And if that does, then like the people that went for like the better stuff and went for the link pop just like repop back up. You know? Okay, let's move on. Uh, Matt's got four more. Let's hear the second one. 
My next prediction is that every backlink profile is going to need, absolutely need, what I like to call trust links. Now, these can be links coming from seed sites or links that are coming from websites that have links from seed sites. When I think of seed sites, you're talking about your New York Times, your, your Forbes, and websites like these that are very, very trusted. Another way to look at this is getting links from sites that Google ranks themselves. I mean, this makes sense if all the content's getting boring and being the same. Like big links like this are likely to be the the differentiator. But not only that, but like if authority sites, like if big sites in general tend to rank for most queries, then that means that in general they just have more links, right? They like you acquire links for ranking for for informational queries. So if like I'm keeping the example of Healthline because now everyone knows it, but if Healthline ranks for every health query, especially questions people will type in Google then that means that they get an absolute fuck ton of links every day doing nothing. And so as a result, the links from these sites matter more just by the fact that they get more links, not because the algorithm was changed, you know? As a result, a lot of the page rank will be focused on these few properties. And so for your site to get a decent level of authority, you will need to get close enough from these neighborhoods that essentially concentrate all the wealth of page rank to pass to all the websites, you know? Okay, his third one. My next prediction is that content website multiples will jump to 50x monthly profit, meaning that if you get a website making $10,000 a month, you will be able to sell that website for $500,000 on the various marketplaces. That's an interesting one because, I mean, the trend is definitely going higher and higher as more buyers, more people, more institutional kind of actual investors, not talking like pension funds, but just like private equity and like people with a lot of money are coming into space and want to invest because the return on a website is generally a lot higher than you can make in, you know, a bond or a, a low risk stock market kind of uh, trade. Even in bad years, even in the current time, etc., still much better. It's like as much as people complain, the return on websites is still amazing. So I, I definitely see that. There's there's also like there's a limit to how many people are selling or are willing to sell. So that's gonna have an effect on the price. What I think is most interesting here, though, is how has the volatility affected pricing? So I remember sitting down at um, Chiang Mai SEO actually dinner there and the guy next to me he had bought a website for a pretty sizable sort of six-figure sum and the week after he bought it it lost half his traffic to an update which like super super sucks to be in that situation i mean he had a positive mindset about it but do you feel that like that is maybe going to cap or limit buyers in some way it's tricky it's like i think there's there's a lot of novice buyers on the market right now and they don't understand like the variation in volatility as much like they understand it from like personal stories more like so if, if it happened to them once they, they they look into it and they realize it's just been more volatile but i think it's like you know a lot of people that i've talked to that like there's a lot of people i know even that just want to get into that market and have a bunch of money and they're like oh fuck that fuck starting a site <laughs> i'll just spend a bunch of cash and just like i'll get rolling right away so, and I mean, I don't know, I have no idea. I, I haven't bought a site recently, so I can't tell like what level of information you get from brokers or anything like that, but it's in the interest to sell the website anyway. So yes, I think it will still grow, but I'm not sure it's very rational. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Number four. And here's a shot in the dark. We're going to see a commercially available article writer based on machine learning. 
Nice. We we actually talked about this. I think it might have been last year or the year before about like AI generated content. In um, we said that it- Amazon does it. They do some on some product listings. They just uh, you can Google it. They they're doing they're doing. I mean, it's basic. It's like generating bullet points. And it, it makes stuff. sense for like large e-commerce sites. But w- what he's saying here is a commercially available. So that's you and I have access to it. Article writer based based on machine. Yeah, maybe it's quite possible. It's the funny part is that even if it's not very good, I'm pretty sure it's going to work. When I see like the duplicate content stuff ranking, you know, it's like, um, I remember that experiment as well. There's some, someone who told me that they took some uh, English content, they translated it in Russian, and then they translated it back in English, <laughs> put it on the website, and it was ranking on Google Translate, you know? So yeah, I can imagine that even if it's not very good, it could work to some extent. And to be honest, it could be a great way to throw shit at the wall and see what sticks let's just say that imagine if you can generate like ten thousand pages on your high dr site see which ones land at least on page two and then actually rewrite them with proper content and remove the other one or just start you know ten thousand sites in ten thousand different niches okay maybe that's a bit extreme but you know like throw throw free essentially free content up there which this tool would write and then kind of see what see what starts working after a few months and then focus your attention on those that, that, that start to stick then actually make it a good site you know i, I mean it's, it feels like that could cause a lot of instability in in the the writing marketplace in google holy shit in google as well like can you imagine like when when like even if like five percent of results are like automatically written it's a mess, but it won't be very good. Like, don't expect it to be great. Initially, but this is one of the things that's going to get better and better over time, right? Two, three, four, five, ten, ten years after this first comes out, I think it'll be really good to the point where, like, really, are we going to need writers? But that, no, you know what I think? I think if that happens, then Google will be like, are we going to need websites? <laughs> like, why don't we just all self-write the content that people need based on the query on the fly? Well, that's the thing. Google can just create create that content themselves. Exactly. They don't need us to create websites. So it's tricky, right? It's like, it's, it sounds fun initially, but that would actually be the end of the business model. So it's like, you know, be careful what you wish for. SEO is dead. You heard it here first. Uh, no. The business model. But uh, it's true, right? Imagine if like if all of Google rankings are like self-written articles, then what, what is the incentive for Google to try to surface that over their own self-written content? There's absolutely no benefit. They just want like experts to like share their, and they want trusted experts because people would not trust AI. So all, all they bring authorship back or something like this, you know, something like that. It is it is a tricky one. It's it's like we're getting into these AI debates, and it can can go for AI. maybe we should do that like a podcast on like how will AI change SEO or something. It's kind of a crossover. It's just to promote both, right? But yeah, I think it's possible. I think it would be shit, but I think there will still be uses for it. Okay, last one, Matt Diggity, number five. And here's a no-brainer. We're going to lose more SERP real estate to stuff like FAQ schema, or even worse, like YouTube carousels and all these different. SERP real estate features that are taking away clicks from the search. Okay, I think we we can agree on that. A lot of a lot of people said that today. We we sort of talked about that earlier. It's already happening quite a lot. Twenty nineteen. Is it going to get worse in twenty twenty? I was trying to debate like how is a YouTube video, how is a YouTube a YouTube carousel worse than an FAQ schema? It's like it's like really I, I don't know. I like YouTube. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's good. I think it. I mean. 
I do. It's just not always convenient to watch a video. Yeah, but like, you know, now Google actually pulses the text that you say and actually makes you play the video from the point that you're interested in based on your query very often. So let's say I'm like, oh, like I, I want to find the best app for screencasting on my Mac. Then maybe like a video would be like 10 most useful apps you can use for your Mac. And then one of them would be a screencasting app and they will start the video just from that point based on my query and just read that. So yeah, it's, but overall, like, again, we've said it, if the, even if nothing changes, there will be less traffic in 2020 and 2019, just because of the fact that it got worse in 2019. So yeah, I agree with that one. Uh, okay, I think we should wrap this up and kind of like make a summary of like what people say, well, your feelings on their predictions, etc. cetera. Uh, do you want to start? Uh, well, I think we should start by saying next year, let's split this into two episodes because we're, we've, we've been going an hour and 20 minutes. So that's, that's kind of crazy. In general, when you hear us or any other so-called expert talk about what their predictions are, right? We don't know. We're kind of like guessing in, to, to an extent. It's, it's an educated guess. But it's kind of like what we were talking earlier when people report extreme things about updates. It, we can't really make an hour and 20 minute show about, oh, not much is going to change. Keep, keep doing the same thing, which was interesting because that's actually what, what Kyle said. Uh, just keep doing the, the best practices. That would have been a pretty short and uninteresting podcast. So maybe the fact that we're forcing ourselves to essentially create sensationalized or more extreme opinions or pro, uh, projections is actually resulting in that sort of phenomena occurring. Uh, and if yeah because i actually think that despite everything we've said i'm still massively massively positive about 2020 even 2025 i think there has never been really a better time to be in this game to be in this industry it might have been you know easy pickings 10 years ago but you know when i got into digital marketing 10 years ago people were saying it's dead and it was it was too hard and it was it was easier in 2006 but it's just like people always say those things. And there is an element of truth to it. It's because people get old. <laughs> That's why. It's because people get old. People don't want to change. People don't want to adapt. If you are really willing to reinvent yourself every few years, to reinvent your business model, to to change, to adapt, to staying at the cutting cutting edge and, and, and adapt, then you'll be fine because most people are not willing to do that. So you just have to be a little bit more willing than the next guy to do that and you'll be good. You don't need to outrun the bear. You just need to outrun. I just need to outrun you. The, the, I was reading that. Basically, you just need to do better than your competitors. You don't need to outrun the bear. You just need to outrun the slowest guy. And it's the, kind of the same with same to an extent with with Google and the, the search. Like you don't need to be have your own AI technology and all this kind of crazy stuff. You just need to do all the best practices, all the good things, a little bit better than the the next person. And it's like, I'm actually rebuilding one of our sites right now. It's like, that's what we're doing. We're just making a simple site that just like answers the queries as well as possible that it's trying to rank for and build some links to it. And that's the base of it, really. Like, it's not too crazy. And, and I'm sure it's going to do okay. Like, I mean, like, if you look at like Spencer's latest case study as well, like he shared it, it's like on the yard.com from niche pursuits. I did okay. Like, and it's like nothing special. It's still like, a, Spencer is like, he just stuck to his gun and it did okay still in 2019. I'm sure it'd be fine in 2020. I was reading on his Facebook group that it's his best month in uh, in December, I think. So yeah, it's like, um, despite all of that, you can still do okay. It's not the end of the world. Yes, some things get more difficult, but some things get easier as well, right? Like remember building a website 
10 years ago versus building a website now. Like I can put together a well-branded site in a whole, in just a day. And before it would take weeks and months, etc. So there's like this stuff cut out that is more difficult is just replacing stuff that used to be challenging, but got made easier by technology as well. Like the keyword research tools we had, like at some point I was doing like keyword research was like market samurai. I had to like scrape each Google SERP and like the data was shit from like the free Yahoo link checker. And so I'm like, it was terrible. And so doing keyword research was pretty much impossible. Like now we have Ahrefs that gives us like hundreds of thousands of keywords and in two clicks you filtered it all and you have keywords, etc. So you've got to consider that all these things used to be harder as well and now it got made easier. And we take this stuff for granted and we complain about the stuff that gets harder. It's all balanced, to be honest. And I do think that focusing purely just on SEO, it's, it's not a long-term, uh, in the long-term, like a good idea. I think SEO can be a major source of traffic, but you should diversify that a bit also to mitigate the effects of changes. So it's something that, We'll probably be talking more about next year, actually. Like, I'm actually spent the whole day working on content promotion outside of Google today for an upcoming blueprint for H Pro, actually. And there's so many cool things you can do with like stories, with like paid, like with uh, social ads, with all of that, etc. And you can get quite a bit of traffic from that and run a business that way as well. So it's, I think, it's going to be a fact of adapting, diversifying, and not being negative overall, even though some things are getting harder. All right. Should we wrap up there? Yeah, we're going to wrap it up. It's been a pretty short podcast episode. Sorry for that, guys. This is definitely our longest podcast of, uh, of 2019. I think it's like rocking in at like an hour and 25 minutes or something. One thing I want to say is that this is actually our 50th podcast of the year, 5-0, which was our goal. If you remember, at the end of last year, we set a goal to re release 50 in 2019. Back in 2018, I think we released about 30 or something. It was a lot more sporadic. We've really gotten our shit together this year to, to be able to do these. So much so that we are actually going to release 52 this year. So we're not stopping for Christmas and New Year. Two more are coming. Uh, and next week, we're actually going to talk about that specific goal and the other goals which we had for Authority Hacker and for our business this year and how everything sort of panned out and what, we, what we're planning on doing next year as well. Yep. So, yeah. Do you predict that we'll do 52 next year? <laughs> yep, I do. All right, cool. Well, guys, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this and you want more podcast episodes like this, don't forget to subscribe. We are on pretty much every podcast platform. You can go on Google Podcasts, you can go on Spotify, you can go on iTunes, you can go on SoundCloud. Uh, you can find us there. You can subscribe on your favorite app and just get an episode every week because as you heard, we release one every week these days. So well, we hope you enjoyed this. We want to give a special thank you to everyone that contributed to this episode with their predictions. Go and check out their websites and we will see you next week. Have a good week. Bye.